What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up on Mars Attack. Okay, what's up, everybody? This is Ross the Boss from the Dictators NYC and Death Dealer, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. This is Brittany Slays from Unleash the Archers, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. This is Billy Keaton with Audiotopsy, and you're listening to Mars Attack with Victor. Looking forward to seeing everybody on tour and releasing Natural Causes and putting the metal down. Thank you very much. Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saint, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Hey all, here's Andrea Pizzer from Sepultura in De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Enjoy. Hey, Logan Mader here from Once Human. You're listening to Mars Attack. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Turn it up! Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly. You're listening to Mars Attack. Stay metal. Welcome, one and all, to episode... 130 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and we welcome you back. Second episode this week. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to keep that up until we get all of this backlog of interviews out there. Uh, this particular interview that you're going to hear during this episode was originally done back in December, and I've got a few that were done a lot sooner than that. Uh, in any event, yeah, so this interview is with John Leon and James J. LaRue. Uh, you guys know them from White Wizard, and they've gotten back together again to not only work on White Wizard again, but also to work on a new project called Octane Gypsy. So um, definitely, definitely uh, really cool that they've been able to work things out, and you'll hear all about that during the interview uh, there's an interesting point that they touch upon. Uh, Eric Kluber, who's also a former guitarist of White Wizard, discussed this during episode 129. If you haven't listened to that episode and you're into the whole White Wizard family tree, per se, definitely do yourself a favor and listen to that. Because, uh, well, they, in both episodes you'll hear, and specifically in this episode, you'll hear John and James talk about touring and how you know there just isn't money there unless you're a super huge act and uh, Eric talks along those same lines and it's funny how you know I, I read this on Facebook earlier today how people assume that if a band isn't playing in the US that they're washed up uh, the band that was discussed was Metallica and and what was brought up was, well, since they're not touring the the States, they're washed up, their market's gone, blah, blah, blah. No. Metallica, when they tour the U.S., when they do a full-on tour, when they release an album, they're doing six, eight months worth of touring, if not more. In Europe, in Asia, they're playing festival dates. They don't have to pay to lug a back line around. They don't have to pay for lighting, stages, uh, so on and so forth. So 
their profit margin is a lot higher. It's just simple business. And people just jump to these conclusions. They're washed up, man. People have turned their backs on them because ever since the Black Album, they've sucked. You're wrong, okay? (laughs) During the Death Magnetic Tour, you know, it has been well documented that they did five dates in the New York metropolitan area, and they came back more than once, and a lot of those shows were sold out, okay? There's this big misnomer that because you got turned off to a band that they're no longer making money with touring. And they're still making money with touring. They're huge everywhere. You know, the difference between Metallica and the next band is enormous. You know, um, look at, uh, I don't know, Slipknot, who just did their festival. Um, They're an enormous band as well, but they're nowhere near as popular as Metallica is. That's just a fact of the matter. They don't move the same amount of albums, merchandise, so on and so forth. So um, to say that they're washed up because they're not doing a tour here and because, shit, look at what they did out in San Francisco before the Super Bowl. How many bands can do that? How many bands can... And their opener was Cage the Elephant. I mean, it isn't as if... The opener was Slayer and Anthrax and this and that. And it should go to prove to people that the motivation behind the Big Four was actually Metallica wanting to, you know, relive maybe the old days, help prop these bands back up because none of these bands are doing stadiums on their own. None of them are playing stadiums, period, unless Metallica is taking them out. And that's not a knock on them, but that's just how it is. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize, and this goes for Kiss, this goes for Def Leppard, this goes for other bands that were huge at one point, that their draw isn't there because a lot of these bands have toured every single summer, every single summer. So people are used to seeing them. Metallica doesn't play the States every summer, and if they play in Europe, it's selected dates. It isn't absolutely everywhere. And similar to what happens with Europe, where they start to talk about different statistics with the states, they don't realize how big the U.S. is. And a lot of people don't realize how big Europe is and don't realize that outside of a few select countries like Germany, like the U.K., well, the U.K., you know, England... Um, England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, um, you don't have, you know, you don't have huge album sales everywhere else. Quite the opposite. Piracy is rampant here in Europe, especially in Spain, in, in, uh, Greece, in Italy, in, um, in, in Portugal and all these countries, Piracy is very rampant. The former Eastern Bloc countries. So to equate that, man, Europe has a much better scene. I don't know that that's entirely true. I think if you look at, you know, if you want to compare apples to apples per se, if you want to say that Germany 
is the New York metropolitan area. Okay, I'll give you that. If you want to say that the UK as a whole is like California, I'll give you that. Scandinavia, and I'm talking about Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and Finland. As a whole, those countries maybe equate to Texas. But the rest of Europe is like the middle of the U.S. There is nothing there. You know, there's hours upon hours between show dates because the the population... You know, west of the Mississippi doesn't pick up again until you get to the coast, really, until you get to Denver. You know, there are a few pockets here and there, but that's it. And if you want to equate the one to the other, there's this big misnomer in the States. Well, it's so much better in Europe. No, it's so much better in a few select spots, like it is everywhere else, okay? Um, Let's not get carried away. Now, there are more festivals. There There are a lot of different things. There's, for example, what a lot of... People from the U.S. have just realized with the whole Phil and Salmo down debacle um, with Hellfest is that a lot of these festivals are subsidized by the countries. Okay, so taxpayers' money goes into setting and funding a lot of these festivals up. Think about it. In the U.S., would you want your taxpayer money to go in to fund, you know, a big show, uh, some type of a festival? Think about that. That's why these festivals are around for all this time, because a lot of them are funded by taxpayers' money. I see this on Facebook all the time. In Denmark, schools are free. Health care is free. Universities are free. There's only 33-hour work weeks. Okay, let's get down again. Let's compare apples to apples. You're also paying 50 to 75% of your wages in taxes. Would you like to do that? Not everybody would. A lot of people would prefer to have that money and invest in whatever they want. Um, they talk about, well, you know, people in these countries are a lot humbler than they are with their homes and with this and with that. Of course, because they don't have as much disposable income to go out and get a lot of lavish shit that you do in, you know, in the U.S. or in Germany or in other countries in Europe because a lot of the wages are going to funding all of these different things it's free you don't have to pay for it because you've already paid for it okay so ah as as george carlin would say i get pissed god damn it so um there's that a lot of people don't think deeper to find out they just see a meme and take it for fact you know and that just isn't the case it isn't always the case the other thing too Uh, For example, there was a big article earlier this month um, in Spain regarding how a lot of big acts are only playing, for example, in Barcelona, and they're not going all the way to Madrid. This is why that's taking place. Uh, In most of Europe, there are breaks for arts and cultural events, similar to festivals and whatnot. So bands come to festivals 
band due date, bands, play dates in countries, and they're playing. They're only paying a certain amount for in taxes. Um, previously, the arts here, bands here, when they came, only had to pay seven percent of their earnings. For playing a date here. Yes, bands that make money have to pay taxes in the different countries that they play. It's no different than bands from Europe, when they go to the U.S., have to pay taxes on the money that they've made. That goes into their ov- the overall um, money that they make when they go to play shows. So, anyway... Um, when bands have been playing here, it was 7%. Because of all the economic issues that have taken place, that now jumps up to 21%. So you have really big-name pop artists, for example, Adele, Katy Katy Perry, (laughs) Katy Appel almost, almost like a Chappelle I said there. Katy Perry, um, Adele, Taylor Swift, bands like this are only coming to Barcelona because of tax reasons. And because gas is so damn expensive here that it doesn't make sense to drive all the way down to Madrid, which is, you know, um, from Barcelona is in the neighborhood of six, seven hours on a bus. So there you go. Um, Also for hard rock and metal bands, why drive from... You know, from wherever the routing is, for a lot of bands, it's Paris. Down to Madrid, if you've only sold 50 albums here. Again, piracy is rampant here. So why would you come down, not expect to sell a lot of merch? Oh, yeah, but you're also spending 500 bucks on gas to get from one place to the other. So it's all economics. A lot of people don't realize that. People that are playing in bands, uh, people that are podcasters, um, not myself, but you see all the big-name people that have come over into podcasting. They have big, huge you know, companies behind them. Um, whether, whether they bring it up or not, you know, whether they name-drop that or not, or whether they're begging for your money even though they're making you know, seven figures... <laughs> Um, uh, eight figures uh, a podcaster I found out is is making and you hear him say all the time how oh please check out my sponsors because they're the only reason that I'm doing you know this show that's such a crock of shit I mean they they want people to obviously go to their sponsors because it helps keep their shows on there but Um, they can more than afford what I'm paying a year to do this, (laughs) to podcast. So come on, give me a break. It it is almost insulting to hear some of these ads too, to hear, try out this service because, you know, the next time you might find me. Mm, Highly unlikely, you know, it's just... It's ridiculous to hear these Uber ads, for example, where you know that these people, I mean, whether they're pro wrestlers or people in the music industry, they've got some type of a limo or taxi service that's taking them, that's already been set up to take them to a venue and to an airport. They're not using Uber. Come on. 
let's let's be honest. Um, I have someone on Facebook who actually took someone from The Voice or American Idol or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense because these people don't have any fucking money. <laughs> They're not making six to seven figures a year and then crying about it um, to have you, you know, check out their sponsors. I have sponsors on my page, you know. Yes, I have a donate button, which I have certain people that do um, donate, like uh, Antoni out in um, Barcelona who donates all the time. I've had David Isaacs um, donate from time to time, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for every penny that you guys donate. I know things are hard. It isn't easy to just say, eh, you know, I'm going to give this joker some money. That's why Amazon is such a great way to help kick something back uh, to the show or to anyone's show. That's why a lot of people bring it up, you know. If you're going to go to Amazon, use my links. Everybody says that. And I can't force you to use the links for on Mars Attacks or anything else. I'd love you to use them. Because obviously, you know, with everything that I'm trying to build up with Ear Peeler and all the other projects that I have in the pipeline, um, I'm depending off of the money to not only help fund these projects, but also to help feed my family. <laughs> I'm, I'm being quite honest here. You have other people that talk about, you know, um, all my show's going to stop or if you didn't you didn't donate that much this month, you know, if you guys stop donating, I may not do the show anymore. Well, stop doing your show then. Come on. I do this for the love of music. I love hearing you guys give me feedback. You know, you guys can do that on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, via email. All the links are up there on the site on MarsAttacksRadio.com. So please, you know, spread the love. Tell your friends, if you are inclined to buy something, just know that the money that you are spending will go towards the hosting cost of this show. It'll go towards my electrical bill. It'll go towards putting food not only in my mouth, but in my family's mouth. It is just that fact of the matter, okay? Um, I don't have anything else to fall on right now. Uh, jobs are real shitty where I am at the moment. So the idea was to put my own project together, projects multiple, um, with ear peeler and all the sister sites that I am putting together. Um, so please, if you can spare something, that's cool. If not, I completely understand. We all work hard for our money. And the last thing you want is to give money to someone else when you can be enjoying your hard-earned cash. I understand that. If you are going to Amazon and you are inclined to use my links to do so, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, there's there's no other way to say that. I'm grateful for anyone that does that. My family is grateful for anyone that does that. So there you go. The end of the, uh, the sale there. Um, we do have a bunch of commercials that we're going to play now. Uh, just to promote some of the other stuff that I have going on here. Uh, I would love to say that I have Uber or something else like that to promote. I do not. Um, who knows? Maybe in the future. But it is what it is. So anyway, let's get into that before jumping into some music. With all this long rant, I just want to remind you guys that we do have John Leon and James J. LaRue 
on in a little bit. We're going to jump into a track by Octane Gypsy, their new project before doing the interview, and we'll meet you on the other side of the interview after we're going to play the track Octane Gypsy by White Wizard to bring us out of everything. So there you go. Uh, listen to the these quick ads. Check out everything that we mentioned. It is all related to projects that I have going on. And thanks, 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 thanks to anyone that supports us once again. So on, on with the commercials. Earpeeler, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. The Galaxy of Geeks podcast is four guys talking all things geek, whether that's Star Wars, Marvel vs. DC, TV shows, movies, or anything in between. We have all the geek bases. Go to galaxyofgeeks.net to find out more. Punch it! Forged from the fires that created a long-lost brotherhood of podcasts comes the Blast Syndicate. We are made up of Focus on Metal, Inside Metal, Iron City Rocks, Mars Attacks, Metal Geeks, MSR Cast, Neckbreaker, Radioactive Metal, and Wiki Metal. We are the Blast Syndicate. Go to BlastSyndicate.com to find out more. Get blasted. Just got back from your work break and you need a little pick-me-up? Mars Attacks Podcast is featured weekdays on Maximum Threshold Radio at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. in the UK, and 7 p.m. Central European Time. Go to MaximumTreshold.net to tune in or find out more. Gypsy, born to ride a wild wind, seeking death. 
Welcome, everyone, to another episode here of the Mars Attacks podcast. We have two long-lost friends, if you will, of the show, Mr. James J. LaRue and John Leon. Uh, you'll know those names from various different uh, episodes, most notably all of our wonderful White Wizard talk. How are you guys? Great. Doing good. Doing great. Yeah. Awesome. So a few, I guess, what, like 10 days ago? maybe even less than that, John contacted me to say, I'm working on a project with James, but it's not White Wizard. So let's talk about that a little bit. You guys decided to put something together called Octane Gypsy, which is obviously a nod to a track off of the original EP. Why did you guys decide to want to get together and work on this project? Well, I mean, I'll start, I guess, and let LaRue pick up on off the back. Um, LaRue and I have yeah. actually been in contact for a while, literally, really about doing White Wizard. Um, you know, LaRue and I started speaking again, and I, I talked to various ex-members about doing the next record and reached out to them after taking some time off and kind of deciding what direction I want to take the group. And so LaRue and I have just been in touch, and I've been watching some stuff, and White Wizard is... Uh, we're taking our time with it because we want to do something really special with it, um, and we don't want to rush it because we just kind of want to, you know, let it, you know, let the chips fall where they may and let it find its way. And I've been writing some stuff that's a little bit off the White Wizard, and uh, it just, you know, I, I'm I'm singing that stuff, um, and I have an outlet vocally and creatively, and uh, we just collaborated and uh, it went really well, and it made sense to. Uh, to form kind of an offshoot project, just something else for the creative uh, juices while we're continuing to push White Wizard. And that's that's kind of just what it was born out of, like whatever LaRue wants to add to that. That's pretty much the version of it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the version of it. I mean, basically, as far as I could tell, I mean, I was, I was talking to John over the, I don't know, a couple of years or something, just running to him in L.A. and some stuff. And... Um, when he's played me the songs, you know, and it's got him singing on it, and perhaps the style isn't exactly the sort of Nwabam-ish, traditional, whatever you want to call White Wizard. Uh, and so I, it just made more sense than just to call this, oh, let's call it White Wizard. And it doesn't sound like White Wizard. It's got him singing. And so, I, I mean, as far as I remember, it's kind of a decision to, ah, let's, let's call it something else because it really is something else. And um, while we, like John said, while we're sorting out the, the actual White Wizard release. Uh, you know, the, there's all this other material, but it might not be right to call it White Wizard and, you know, and with, with, the, with the way it sounds and, you know, so there it is. Yeah, I think it gives us a chance to kind of, we both like to experiment with all sorts of stuff. I mean, that, this particular first track we put out, um, LaRue did all the keyboards and orchestration and it's just uh a chance for us to kind of just, I don't know, it's just, we kind of want to just be creative without having to really answer to anybody or, you know, fit it in any kind of box. It's just, it's fun. It's nothing that we're, you know, we're not like heavily invested in success, but at the same time, we're just enjoying it. That's kind of what it's about, I guess, you know. That's interesting because that's always something that you've talked to me, uh, whether in interviews or outside of interviews, personally talking about how, you always had more stuff going on that wasn't going to fit the White Wizard 
sort of mold and you didn't know how to get it out there. So it's interesting that hooking back up with, with James actually made you, you know, decide, Hey, I've got this other avenue. Let's pursue this and let's keep it entirely separate to anything else we work on. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the James's versatility. Um, I mean, he's the most versatile musician I've ever known or worked with and the best guitarist I've ever played with. But beyond that, just from a composing element, from feel, we both we both have very similar feels um, in a lot of ways that just kind of connect and work. And it's just, you know, it's just all, uh, it all just kind of made sense. I mean, I've got acoustic stuff that I'm working on too, acoustic vocal stuff. And I'm always writing, but um, this uh, this just made sense. And, and when we worked on the first track together, it was just pretty obvious. I mean, that it just, uh, the, the chemistry, I mean, a lot of, James had a lot to do with the high school but it was he was the guy that was there at the beginning of what was invested with me he was the guy working with me on the stuff we had great chemistry then and it just uh it just flows it's just a nice feeling and he's a lot of fun to work with musically and it's uh it's just a good fit i'm sure there's more you could say about me that's whatever and he's very good looking and 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 a really swell guy yeah there you go <laughs> And James, as far as you're concerned also, I mean, for those that haven't been keeping track, I mean, you've been working on a lot of different things um, yeah. since you were in White Wizard and Holy mm -hmm. Grail and all that. You've worked on instructional videos and other projects. How does all that other stuff that you've worked on sort of lend itself to coming uh, back yeah. with John? Completely. Uh, I mean, that's kind of why it, I think, uh, who's to say what'll happen, but I think why the, the, the tracks that we've worked on just kind of were seamless. When I was, you know, it, just, it didn't seem like there was any effort doing it. When I was first working with him, I mean, it, it was 2006, 2007, something like that. I can't remember the exact, can't remember the year that like we started working together. It was obviously before the EP came out. Um, I kind of knew how to record rough demos and um, I, I just didn't have enough experience and since you said I've been working on a lot of stuff I think the real the key word there is just working like everything I have been doing is mostly work for other people or something I get hired to do it's not necessarily music I like or dislike or even think about it's just we need strings here or we need a score for this or we need you to edit the drums here whatever someone needs and because uh, I've been doing that for a while now, uh, I'm still, you know, learning, but uh, I, I was able to do this myself. If, if this had happened, say, 2007, we would have had to, uh, you know, book studio time and find an engineer and then have someone. And now I think he's all set up to record. We were talking to, talking to someone before we did anything. It sounded like, oh, well, he had, you know, he's got his recording set up going. And I've been doing this for multiple years now. So it was a real seamless really and uh, I've put guitar solos on a lot of people's stuff, not not much metal, but I mean the process is the same. Uh, and then he started a lot of these ideas for the orchestration really came from John. Like he was thinking, oh, you need reference another song, like a, a Dio song or like a you know like the keyboards in different songs. And then and so that gave me a good oh, I know how to do that, you know. And I just knocked it out. Whereas in the olden times, way back in 2007 or whatever. Uh, we didn't really have the means to do any of this. I mean, he had a, an analog synth and we plugged it in when we were doing the EP, but now everything's plugins and it's just, I don't know. I mean, most of what I do is 
I don't really do much guitar as much as I do everything with synths and plugins and MIDI and sequencing. So it was easy. You know, it was just what I've been doing for years. Yeah, technology's really come to a point now, I think, that we, uh, we've been able to kind of eliminate um, some of the things that a lot of bands get dependent on. We're kind of excited about that moving forward because it's going to allow us to release a lot of material. I mean, we've already got another song we're about to put out probably next week for this, and it's the White Wizard stuff, et cetera. You know, we may work with a big producer for a certain mix or a certain thing that's really important that we want to, you know, take it to another level with. But I think we feel like where we're at right now, we've got a great creative dynamic. We're both in Southern California. Um, we're both kind of on the same page with what we want to do and how we want to do it. We're both realistic about the music industry. We know uh, we know the pros and cons. We know, uh, you know, what's uh, what to be realistic about and what not to be. And um, all of those things, I think, factor into just us being able to, yeah, do things from a free uh, free state that we couldn't have done back then. Yeah, for me, it's strangely enough, it's the first time where uh, I just get to do, like normally I'm fixing someone else's music or whatever, and he approached me, and the song is, he had the chord, progress, everything, rhythm, like it's all written and it's done, but add your parts, and I think that's kind of how we used to work in the old days, like I would sort of embellish He'd have a song, basic chords, and I might come with like a little guitar idea that goes on top of it, and that's pretty much all I did on this on this music is icing on the cake and composing like the. Also, it was it was actually refreshing, and I guess maybe strange that it would be uh, withdrawn or whatever. I, I the least amount of instructions I've had in a long time. You know, do what you want, and then he had no notes for me. There's a done. Yeah, that's it. So. There you go. You guys keep talking about being on the same page with everything. Obviously, the last time I spoke to you, James, about the whole situation uh, with White Wizard and uh, with John, I've talked a bunch of different times about, not just you, but other members, but how were you guys able to sort of put the past in the past and decide to want to move forward and want to work together again? Uh, okay, I'll go ahead. Uh, it's kind of like, I guess you can liken it to if a couple of guys are into the same girl or, or guy, whatever, uh, if you're in the same girl, uh, and, and, and one gets mad and you, oh, you so, and then at the end of the day, you realize that she's just sleeping around with everyone. And it's kind of like when life kind of shits on you, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like we both were put through this ringer by the music industry or whatever you want to, I'm not putting blame on anyone. But once you've been through enough of the, uh, the crap, you kind of realize it's time, passage of time. You just kind of realize, okay, well, here's what was good. Let's just focus on that. I mean, I, mean, I remember we used to have so much more specific uh, kind of requirements on ourselves, and maybe we weren't in alignment then. I think you see this with a lot of bands, with Maiden even, big bands with priests, like, you know, where a guy, the singer leaves and just comes back because, after a while, it's like, you know, we're not going to sweat the small stuff. Remember how we used to make music and, and people liked it? But let's just do that, and we won't argue about which shirt we're going to wear or, like, you know, it's the little stuff. I think back in the day, I remember so many disagreements on little, like, things that really now, as, as you get older, you care less about these small details. So I know for me that's kind of what it is. And the industry thing, when there's less at stake, it's not like uh, – 
anyone's competing over who, like, oh, well, I, we've got these songs and, and someone's going to try to take them to a label and get, oh, well, I'm going to sign it. No, I'm gonna, I don't even care about record labels, whatever happens. So, like, it doesn't really, I don't know, There's, it's just, I don't mean to say I care less like, uh, like I don't care about the music, but it's more like that's the only real issue is just getting the music out. Yeah, and from my perspective, I mean, I think, you know, we were a lot younger and very uh, caught up in the whole, you know, naive day of, you know, getting a band signed and what it took to do it. And a lot of people had different feelings and visions on how to do it. Everybody was really serious. And we didn't have a manager. We didn't have a compass. We had nothing like that. And, you know, things went south for a lot of stupid, you know, small reasons. But, you know, when they go south, all of a sudden some people can feel hurt. It's just like all that stuff that happened between our first lineup, I think a manager probably would have, uh, you know, set it straight. Um, and I think, yeah, everything LaRue said pretty much echoes how I feel aside from that. It's, it's just, it's one of those things that as you get older and you go through a lot of stuff, you realize what's important. It's all about the music and you realize that all that stuff is just petty anyway. And, and ultimately, we're, uh, I think we're a lot wiser, a lot more mature, and that makes a big difference. Do you think that for you guys to work together to continue to be successful with other people coming into the band, do you need a manager, someone to to guide you guys, or just with the experience, what you guys have, you know, cut your teeth on these past few years? Do you feel that that will be enough to sort of solidify and push everything forward? Well, me personally, um, I don't I mean, have the answer to that, so I don't know. I mean, when it comes to management, I mean, I I don't think so in the sense that look, it depends what you're trying to do. If you're talking about a manager to come along to build connections um, to help, you know, further the project as far as getting us with big booking agents and, you know, getting us with people that can actually get our music heard by the masses. I mean, look, any music project and use a guy like that, so there are more and more fewer, fewer and far between these days. Um, there's, there's not many Rod Smallwoods left in the world and Irving Azoff's. I mean, it's, it's, a different time in music. Recorded music is essentially worthless now. Um, your your money's made in different ways, and there's so much competition now that the internet just changed the game. And I think ultimately, do we need a manager to make good music and put it out there like we are right now? No. If if somebody comes along and wants to give us, you know, their efforts and a push that has connections to try to do it, and it's something we felt good about, of course we'd be open to it. But you know, we're also realists. I mean, we're just doing this for the music and to put it out there and be creative. Um, who we market to, you know, I don't know. The White Wizard fans, whether or not they'll get this project that much, some songs more than others, we know that it'll probably appeal to a different, you know, type of person at times. That's fine. Maybe we'll do some marketing, some press. Um, I don't know. You know, we're going to kind of just feel it out and go with where the karma of it takes us and, and how we feel and I don't think we're doing it for the wrong reasons. I think we're doing it for the right reasons. And I think we're wise enough to kind of know how the industry works now. And I don't think either of us want to deal with the bullshit in the industry or getting in a van for a hundred dollars a night and touring. So whatever we do with it, um, I think some stars would have to align if things fall into place for us to really uh, take it beyond it being a studio project and maybe doing some live stuff. Who knows? You know, it just really depends. That goes the the same for White Wizard. Do you plan on doing touring with White Wizard, or is it just going to be a a studio project similar to the last discussion that we had, where you mentioned that 
you guys were going to have, um, or that White Wizard would have its own label and that you weren't going to look for any type of large label support or anything like that, and you just wanted to do whatever you wanted to do. Is that still the plan with White Wizard, or has that plan deviated since the last time we spoke? Uh, from my end, I would say that it's it's down to what what ends up happening with the record and what you know people's reactions are to it and how we all feel. Um, if whatever I do with White Wizard next, um, it's I, I'm I'm, I'm going to try to take a back seat because as we all know, and being in the front seat, things have not always gone well. Not all, all my fault, but whatever. But when you come down to it. I think that it's going to be a very inclusive process with the members involved and how they feel about everything. A, a big part of touring, I think, I know, I know that, that you know, LaRue can speak for this, but I know that we both feel that if there's not enough money there for us to be coming home after a month with at least a couple grand in our pockets to pay our bills and, you know, relatively survive, we don't have an interest in it. We don't want to, you know, a lot of these bands are going out in bands and they're getting paid 100 150 bucks a night, they're coming home broke, they're coming home in the hole. You know, that's great if you're 18, 19, 21 years old. We don't have an interest in that. So it probably will come down to if a booking agent comes along and, you know, depending on who, who the lineup is, which that's still uh, in a process of being figured out. So, you know, who's singing, who the lineup is, all of those things will probably factor into the amount of interest the booking agents and venues and everybody else would have, including record labels. I think we'll be open-minded, but it's going to be really inclusive for everybody involved in the process um, of what everybody's comfortable with. If everybody decides that they just want to make it a studio project and there's not enough money coming in and offers for booking shows or just do occasional festivals and studio work, then uh, I'm fine with that. And if it makes sense for us all the tour, I think that I'm, I think we're fine with that. But I'll let LaRue expand on that, but that's kind of where I'm at. I, yeah, I concur. I mean, this is something that John and I talked about, and, and it kind of harkens back a little to how, how I can work with him now like versus before. I think when I was younger, there's like an urgency to make it, whatever that means, because you don't really know. So you want to be touring, you want to be releasing a thing, you want to be on a label. Ooh, I want to have a video out. I got to have... And so and now I'm at the stage of my life where, like, uh, this doesn't necessarily have to go... I'm not, like, banking on this to do anything or I'll be completely destroyed as a person. I'd love to see uh, people hear it. You know, it's great if, hey, if they like it, that's even better. So it just comes down to the numbers. And so, like, with the creating the music, I like it to be just, hey, let's just see what happens and do art. And then as far as where it's going to, is it going to end up as a live band? Is it going to end up, I mean, I've talked at length with John, like, what I would need for touring. Uh, I, you know, I'm not, in, I'm not in my 20s anymore, and uh, I'm almost not in my 30s anymore. And at at that point, you know, sleeping in a van and, and coming home, and then there's all these bills, and I haven't been able to work because I've been on the road. And that can't happen. So, so that comes down to logistics, just like he's saying. Hopefully, I mean, there's, I like the idea. One thing we talked about is good, good doing the kind of quality festivals that we can get on those bills. That's great, you know. Um, but as far as like slinging it out and paying of dues in little bars and stuff like that, um, it's just, it doesn't really appeal to me. So if that's what we were offered, I don't know how excited I'd be about it or even if I'd be able to do it. Every month those bills come in and I got to pay them. So that ain't going to pay it. Okay. So obviously if, if the focus is going to be on the studio, then it obviously opens the door to 
past members who couldn't tour or didn't want to be involved in tours. Is that what you're leaning towards as far as, say, in the vocal capacity or maybe even um, a, a drummer that may be involved in the band or maybe even a guitarist? Are you looking to reach out first to previous members or does it really not matter as long as the person is qualified to be part of the band? Um, I mean, from my end, I mean, you know, there's been discussions with a lot of previous members. It's all about what makes sense to everybody uh, and who ends up being the right uh, person for it and also timing and what people can do. You know, some guys that we want in this right now, um, they they have other obligations. And, and you know, we, we're, we're open to a lot of different scenarios. And right now, I mean, the, the writing is pretty much, you know, a lot of it's, been done though i think larue and i will collaborate even more on stuff and we hope to collaborate with whoever's going to be involved to kind of round their album out um i've had several songs written over the last you know year um that are ready to go but you know i think it's it's down to yes of course we'd like to get you know past members before we would want to get new members i mean the wikipedia x member page is long enough as it is but besides that i think that um you know, we want to do something that's going to make the fans happy. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the band's been through so much turmoil in, in the past with not being able to really keep a consistent lineup. So we, I think we're taking our time with it because we want to kind of, like, figure out who that's going to be. And if it is going to all be past members, um, we'll find a way that's going to work for everybody. So there's, you know, there's, we've learned so much. You know, we want to apply that to how we handle it so we don't end up with any... Uh, problems in the future and whether it becomes a studio thing where we put out you know five albums over the next 10 years and don't tour at all or it goes further than that or we play some festivals um just want to make sure everybody's on the same page and that we uh have everything on paper and we have everything uh, clear and we're all uh moving forward in a way that makes everybody comfortable and that's that's what it's all about and then from there yeah i mean of course everybody who's been in white wizards qualified thus far um, if we if we find a certain place that we need to bring somebody new in, then of course I'm sure that uh, they would be the same capable musicians as the past. But uh, we're just taking our time with it. We're going to do Lock and Gypsy in the meantime, and um, as the months unfold here, I'm sure we will uh, have announcements, and, and then we'll end up uh, you know finishing the record. The record is partly finished now, but it's not completely done. Is the door closed for anyone specifically to not come back, or are you currently in the state of mind where you would be willing to revisit any past member being involved? Well, I'm not going to name any names. There's a couple guys I probably wouldn't work with again, but I would say the majority of, of who's been in the band has been talked to and, and at various times, and uh, you know, I, I've reestablished connection with uh, with some of the, the past members, and it, it's going well. I don't want to name names either or who you know, it may be with or, or who I've talked to or who I wouldn't work with. I'll just say that uh, a good majority of, of the past members have uh, been considered. Okay. And James, um, yes. how closely have you followed what John had been doing with White Wizard after you were out of the band? Was there ever a song that you had heard by the band where you said, shit, you know, I wish I would have been able to play on that? Or was there ever any other member that came in that you wanted to collaborate with? You know, it would be cool if I was, if I had like a specific song, and, but the honest truth of it is I really haven't. Um, but uh, in, in retrospect, like uh, recently, you know, we're talking about uh, 
he shows me different guitar players that uh, some of them I've been in contact with anyway. While they're in the band, they send me a message or something. Early on, it's like, how do you play this part? And then later on, it's just, I don't know. I just, you kind of, everyone knows everyone in, in L.A. anyway. Um, and so there's a few guys that, like, uh, um, that I became more aware of after the fact. Like, I knew a record comes out, it's got a guy, I hadn't heard, it, heard of him before. Of course, I'm thinking of guitar players, because that was my role, you know. Um, um, but now that I hear them, now that I've gone back, and you know, uh, there's some guys that, uh, whose styles I like more, but, uh, or I think I would communicate with better. Um, and that's usually the guys who are more based off of kind of the, the I would call them the shredders, but you can tell they're playing actual scales and modes and arpeggios and things. I know it would be easier for me to work with someone like that if we decide we need, you know, two guys. When I was in the band, I was the only guitar player on the record. Um, and now we've got John playing rhythm guitars, and I come in and do lead guitar. So live, I don't know if it would be a guy on the studio stuff as well, or if we'd be just live. I don't know. But I'm open to anything that works, you know. And um, so... I mean, there's, the guys that I remember being the guitar players anyway. Um, uh, Jake Dreyer, I liked his. I was listening back to it. Um, he's the guy that stands out in my mind as a guy, but I I have never talked to him. I don't know anything about you know. Uh, maybe maybe we wouldn't get along. I don't know. But as far as the style, I like his style of solos and stuff. Given my encounters with Jake and talking to him, I think he he's probably the most easygoing guitarist that I've known outside of yourself uh, that's been part of the band. So I would, you know, I would find it hard to believe that you wouldn't be able to get along with him. Yeah. The <laughs> Jake would get along great. So basically the timetable is a few months to, to have more news regarding White Wizard and Octane Gypsy. Basically there will be things coming out little by little. Where should people go to keep up with both bands or both projects. Well, the you know the Facebook uh, is for Octane Gypsy is up. We also have OctaneGypsy.com. Um, we have obviously the, the White Wizard Facebook, and then WhiteWizardRecords.com will launch soon, um, and that'll that'll have White Wizard updates on it as well. And as things progress, we'll probably uh, do more stuff. We're just uh, right now in the creative mode, so when we get into the PR mode. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll build on that, and uh, I expect by about February we should probably know where we're at with White Wizard. A couple months away. Okay, so it's really not. It's a couple months, but it's really right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, not for a record, but for knowing what the lineup's going to be and how it's going to move forward. I think in a couple months. Yeah, I think I, I. It's okay for me to add that. Uh, uh, you know we've kind of set some things into motion and we're just sort of kind of waiting to see some schedules and, and things on people and it's, it's we don't want to mention anything but um so it, it i don't think it's going to be too long before we would know something it just this is part of the world that i don't play well in but like you know everyone else has different obligations so once we know what that what's going on with that, it'll be easier just to go ahead and say, okay, now we can make an announcement about it. And as far as uh, Octane Gypsy, as far as I know, uh, it's just the songs are just going to be coming out naturally. So you'll see one. one you'll see the next one too. 
A little octane gypsy there for you. Little octane gypsy, yeah. So, no doubt where the band got their name for the new side project. Will be interesting to see how White Wizard and both Octane Gypsy move forward. Looking forward to hearing more. And we'll see. The interview was interesting for me, not only because I'm a fan of the band, but uh, let's see what happens uh, when they decide to um, mention who the new lineup is and, and everything else. So it should be interesting. should be cool. So um, thanks to everyone for checking this episode out. Thanks to uh, John and James for coming on the show. Uh, hopefully we'll have two more episodes next week. Um, at least one want to do that from here on out. And I do apologize once again for having to stop putting the episodes out, but it was inevitable. Um, I mentioned that a little bit last episode and, um, and yeah, it's there. So if you want to hear it, go back and check out episode 129 and that's pretty much it. We're going to wrap things up with another track. Uh, by White Wizard, and well, since James played on that original EP, and John also, obviously, let's uh, let's keep things to that. Um, trying to think, you know, I, we've done high speed high speed GTO, we've done Celestino, we've done Megalodon. Um, Let's do uh let's do Into the Night by White Wizard to wrap things up here. Thanks and hope you come back and check us out one more time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. See ya. <laughs>
for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 